Hey everybody, welcome back to the Garden State of Hockey. I don't know why I broke it up that way, but excited to be recording again with my friend and co-host John Fisher. Hey John. Hi Dan. So uh, how you feeling after watching our, our boys go at it this week? I'm glad it's a bye week. I'm glad there's no games this week. <laughs> yeah, so let's uh let's talk about this disaster because of course this is our early week show. So we're gonna recap the games we missed between the weekend episode and uh, basically just summarizing this road trip that happened between Toronto, Washington, and Columbus. And the main headline of this road trip is that the Devils were outscored by a total score of 17 to six across three games. Now. I don't know. I'm not, you know, you're the hockey blogger here. You're the one who's been doing it uh, as long as anyone. W- would you say those are good results? They are definitely bad results, mm, Dan. Interesting. They're, they're mightily bad results. Yes. Especially in how they got to 17 and uh, 6 total. Yeah. I, I don't know, because we're coming off the optimism that was the back-to-back wins against the Capitals in Washington and against Tampa back in jersey so you think okay maybe things are somewhat turning around and then they go down five to one against the maple leafs now that'll happen against good teams but what they did in that game was something that was more in line with how they had been performing the couple weeks before in that yeah they were down by a lot and chances are they were never going to come back but they did manage to make it a 6-4 game with an opportunity to make it 6-5 against all odds. So they didn't just roll over and die in this game. They were just not sharp early on. And every single goal that actually, I think out of the first, what, four goals, three of them were deflected in by guys that were either wide open on the doorstep or just not covered across the middle with the screen happening against Louis Domingue. You're absolutely right, Dan. The Devils' defense in this game was, in a word, aberrant. Okay, that's probably not how you pronounce that word. Abhorrent. Abysmant. Yeah, sure. Abhorrent, too. (laughs) There's a lot of A words that you could use to describe that. Awful is another good A word for (laughs) it. Atrocious. Atrocious is another good one. But seriously, the Devil's Defense was just not on form. Whereas against the Capitals and and the Lightning in that weekend that you previously mentioned, yes, the Devils gave up quite a bit in those games, but there were good efforts to win rebounds. There were good efforts to try to get in the way of shots. There were good efforts to try to complete exits and at least force the other team to uh, respect the devil's offense, especially against Tampa. None of that happened in Toronto. The first two periods were basically, yeah, Toronto's just going to roll over us and eh, we'll see what we can do in the third to make it look respectable. I mean, don't get me wrong. It's nice to see the devils claw their way out of being just getting consolation goals to make it, somewhat possibly sort of kind of maybe get a comeback going but it was very definite it was the very definition of too little too late against a toronto team that had a weak defense of its own because they're going through plenty of injuries on their blue line and their goaltending hasn't exactly been up to snuff this season so i think if the devils played an effort similar to how they did in that weekend maybe they could have gotten a result but nope toronto just blitzed them and the Devils just lied for them like a doormat. Yeah, they completely carved them up. You could see every opportunity that looked like it was going to be a goal just go into the back of the net because guys were just left wide open in front. Guys were left yeah. in the slot to just tip easy shots, and there was no chance that Domingue could see any of them because the slot area had either two or three different Devils in it with a Maple Leaf and then one uncovered, or they just were not paying attention down low and got caught puck-watching and 
really, Toronto just made it look easy to just slice and dice through the Devils' defense. Yeah, and we also got to see the old classics, neutral zone. No, there was no neutral zone defense. Is anybody going after the point men? Nope, nobody's doing that. Um, as you mentioned, lots of puck watching. Um, Devils were uh, weak on their weak side as usual. And yes, I understand it's called the weak side for a reason. But you would think that with Austin Matthews on the ice, you would want to pay attention to where he's going. And uh, the Devils did not learn that lesson. And that helped lead to his hat trick. And the sad thing of, about this game, Dan, is that Blake Coleman, the pickle maverick himself, got a hat trick in this game. Yeah. So that was pretty awesome because I believe that was his it first was. career one, right? Exactly. And no one will remember this because they lost 7-4. And, oh, yeah, the star of the Toronto Maple Leafs, Austin Matthews, got a hat-trick right at the end of the game. Yeah, the, the rare dueling hat-tricks game, which is pretty wild, all things considered. But good for Coleman. He continues to really be a bright spot on this team, which, again, is just going to mean that they're going to have to pay him or move him a little more than they'd either like to pay him or a little earlier than they'd like to move him. But... Yeah, You know, it's nice to see him be a product of the devil system and develop the way he has, because I do remember when he was first breaking in and he he was that third line, you know, grinder grit mentality. But now it seems he's found a scoring touch. He makes some some of the most crazy highlight goals you'll see from anyone in the NHL. And it happens fairly frequently. I think he's up to, what, 19 goals at this point. So he is the current team leader in goals. He's his career high was set last season at 22. Um, we're at 48 games into the season and he's got 19 already. So yeah. short of a massive slump or injury, he's going to break that mark. Yeah, he, he just is. It's awesome. It, it's good because that's something that you need guys like that to supplement any sort of team that's successful. And he'd be a good person for you know, the younger members of this team to learn from. Maybe the guys that aren't featured as prominently right now can look at his career arc and say, okay, listen, he started off as a third, fourth line grinder. And yes, he still plays uh, some of those minutes sometimes, but it's clear he has the scoring touch developed. It's clear that even on good teams, he might, you know, pass for a second line winger if needed. Well, certainly. And he's a good example of perseverance because he was an overage draft pick. Uh, His first professional season, he suffered a torn labrum. So he lost an entire season of development. And in his first call-up with New Jersey, he did practically nothing. He was on the Kevin Rooney level. Uh, he really broke out with a second chance. And to your point, Dan, you know, even if the goals are going, he'll give you lots of help on defense. He'll give you lots of help on the penalty kill especially. And he could be a solid hand for 14 to 15 minutes a night. So, yeah, he's absolutely what we would call a middle six winger. Obviously, you don't want him to be, lead your forwards, but – he is a guy that you can rely on to play more than just like 11 or 12 minutes a night hanging out with the Wayne Simmonses and the Pavel Zakas of the world. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure playing with Gusev has unlocked a little bit of the scoring touch as well. I'm not oh, yeah. going to you know, claim that Travis Zajac is any sort of offensive dynamo or anything like that. but No, but they, they both defer to Coleman a lot because Coleman isn't just the team's goal leader. He's also their leader in shots on net with mm-hmm. 147, I want to say. Like, it's not even close. Like, P.K. Subban is number two on the list, and he's a, he's got more than 20 fewer shots. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that's something that, you know, they noticed that. They noticed that his shooting percentage is pretty high, and they noticed that he can actually finish opportunities. He's basically mm-hmm. everything that Miles Wood wants to be. 
<laughs> he's many things I would like many devils to be yes. on this team. But well, that being said. Uh, yeah, our bright shining light was not enough to deter the Maple Leafs from scoring, unfortunately, and they took the 7-4 result. And then the next game, Washington clearly came out seeking vengeance for being embarrassed 5-1 to at home less than a week prior to this game. And they really took it on the devils, beating them 5-2. to To make matters worse, Dan, see, it's not enough that the Capitals had every intention to get some sweet revenge on their home rank. Mm-hmm. In the first period, Miles Wood struck Alexander Ovechkin in the mouth. Now, it may have been an accident. It's Miles Wood. You never know with the guy. Mm-hmm. But, but, but Ovechkin said after the game, that made him mad. And when Alex Ovechkin, top, legitimate top 10 all-time goal scorer, is mad. Top three. <laughs> Well, no, he he literally is ninth. Overall. No, no, I know, but like, let let's just era era adjust and all that. He's gonna be top three when it's all said and done. We'll see. Uh-huh. He he's got a father time always wins that battle. I'll just say I'll say that it's right just, now. It's just a matter of will he win in time. But yes, go on. When he gets angry. Anyway, the point is, one of the greatest goal scorers ever is mad. Mm-hmm. You are going to suffer. And oh, did Alexander Ovechkin make the New Jersey Devils suffer that night? As he put up a hat trick of his own, and anytime he was on the ice, you can take three guesses as to where the Devils were in the game. They were in their own end of the rink. Mm-hmm. It was just it was just dominance by the Capitals' captain and their best player. Of course, granted, he's playing with Nicholas Backstrom, and I want to say, I can't remember if he was skating with Wilson or Vrana, probably Wilson, but Ovechkin was the star that night, mm-hmm. and the Devils... Eight a five two loss thanks to Mr. Ovechkin. And he in particular dominates the Devils. He just seems to have a good game every single time out against them. But that being said, it's if you're keeping track at home, that's back to back hat tricks allowed by New Jersey. Now, this Ovechkin one came at a time where if we look later on in the week, it seems to have been a continuation of some momentum because he went on to get another hat trick against a much better team in the New York Islanders. So maybe he was just feeling some sort of possessed last week. He had eight goals in three games, but he, of course, he just dominated as usual. That's just what he does. And he looks primed and ready to compete for a cup again. Unfortunately, the Devils were on the losing end of that result again. But when he's on, it's very hard for any team in the NHL to stop the Capitals. Now, interestingly, the Devils actually made this close for a couple minutes. Mm-hmm. Not for many minutes, but for a couple minutes. Yeah, it was 3-2 to two at some point. Yes, it was. So Ovechkin scores first and second in the first period, and Louis Domingue leaves the game after the first period because, as we now know, he suffered an injury in that game. Mm-hmm. So Corey Schneider was in net. The Devils don't start the second period in that uh, the skaters just failed. Severson... And Coleman couldn't hook up on a pass, and Sammy Vatnin looked like a traffic cone when uh, Carl Hagelin uh, fired the Capitals' first shot of the period past a surprise Schneider to make it 3-0. Mm-hmm. But Wayne Simmons finally ended his goalish streak, uh, thanks to Nico Heischer setting him up in front, so it was 3-1. And then early in the third period, during a Will Butcher holding penalty, the Pickle Maverick struck again. Mm-hmm. Zajac and Coleman hooked, hooked – I'm sorry, Zajac hooked Coleman up. And Coleman finished the drill on Ilya Samsonov to make it 3-2. And now you're starting to think, ah, it's 3-2. Maybe the Devils kill it, which they do. Perhaps the Devils will go out there 
and make it happen. And then, <laughs> then, yeah, and then, and then what happened? Uh, yeah, I don't, I, 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 I don't know what you're hitting in frustration, but I agree with the sentiment in general. <laughs> Jacob Rana was all alone in front of the net and banged home a rebound to make it four to two, mm-hmm. and then the Capitals just closed out the game easily. And Ovechkin scored again to make it five two. <laughs> it wasn't the, pretty. The one, the one chance. At, the sad thing is, Dan, those those few, those precious few minutes between Coleman's goal and Vrana's goal was the closest the Devils got to a win since we last recorded. Yeah, and you, you're not exaggerating. That, that, that. That, that's why I'm sighing. Yeah, I just realized that I was always about to say it. I'm like, oh my goodness, this was the closest to victory. Well, that was the last goal they scored as well, as they went yes. from Thursday to Saturday. Oh, and uh, ran into a Blue Jackets team that we've always talked about, at least me and you across these initial 25 episodes. We've talked about how Columbus dominates New Jersey in recent history, oh, yeah. and we're, we're not shy about it. We'll always bring it up when they play them. And this game looked exactly like their first game against Columbus, except for the fact that they couldn't find a goal this time, as Elvis Merzlikens had a week where he posted three wins with two shutouts in those, and also their backup goalie got a win yesterday against the Rangers, who was another Latvian guy, or Lithuanian guy, maybe. Well, wherever he's from, I wish we saw Mattis instead of Elvis, because Elvis has been supremely hot since Junis Corposalo got injured. Mm Mm-hmm. It's it's strange because when Elvis, I'm I'm just gonna keep calling him an Elvis. There's not really many Elvises in the NHL. Yeah. You all know who I'm talking about. Um, Elvis was not looking good until Corpusalo got injured, and then he just got crazy hot. And Columbus has one of the highest save percentages in five on five play this season. Like everyone's talking about, oh, John Tortorella's got this team working hard and playing good defense. It's like, no, your goaltenders are bailing you out every other night. Yeah, and same in this game because even though the Devils did not score, they dang well tried because they put up 36 shots in the first two periods like and these weren't like you know cheapy shots either there were plenty of really good opportunities where all right this guy gets robbed this guy gets robbed this guy gets robbed hughes gets robbed he sure gets robbed coleman gets robbed suban hits a post like the devils did literally there were some shifts where the devils did everything right except except get that dang puck past elvis yeah and, and whether, whether elvis made a good save or just got lucky he made the save. So in total, it's not like the Devils just, you know, you know, took it easy all night long. They gave him lots of rubber. I mean, what more can you do? But mm-hmm. and then the third period happened, then they stopped doing that. But well, they gave up four goals in the second, which was not ideal. Uh, oh. After the first, the damage was kind of mitigated, but the Devils were playing well. They were, as you yeah. mentioned, getting shots on and the whole game, Kenny and. Steve, we're just talking about how many shot opportunities the Devils had that game. I think they landed on the fact that it was the second most amount of shot attempts that the Devils have had in a game this year. However, yeah. it all means nothing if they run into Dominic Hasek every time they play in Columbus, because suddenly this team that lost Sergei Bobrovsky over the summer uh, found two goalies out of nowhere, which is more goalies than New Jersey has had since about 2013. And more importantly than that, Corpusala wasn't a good backup to Barovsky. And Elvis, Mattis, and there's another guy whose name I'm not going to try to pronounce at the moment because I'm also blanking on his name. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, they have no NHL experience. They're, they're total wild cards. I mean, for all we know, Elvis is going to be the next Steve Mason. We don't know. 
Maybe they're next. They're the next Brian Boucher. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Maybe the next. They're the next Ilya Briskalov. I don't know. Maybe there's some other Flyers flash in the pan goaltender that they big up and uh, give up on it within three seasons. Carter Hart. I'm thinking of you. Anyway, <laughs> uh, no, th- you're absolutely right. The the goaltender was hot, and unfortunately, the Devils goaltender of the evening, for at least most of the evening, was not. For some inexplicable reason, Dan Corey Schneider got the start for this game. I, With a healthy Mackenzie Blackwood. You just why? I feel so bad for him. I just feel so I, bad for him. I know, but at the same time, Corey knows the situation. And and to be fair, Corey got in the last game because Domingue was blown. You know, he was injured, and he got into the Toronto game because Louis Louis Domingue was just bad. Um, so I don't. I guess they decided to give him the start in this one just because maybe they weren't fully sure about Blackwood's health. But there's literally a week off for the Devils right now. So, I mean, you know, Blackwood, if he wasn't 100%, like, the whole point of this season for him is get him into bat, you know, tough situations and see how he does. Mm-hmm. It, you learn nothing by putting Schneider in this game. And all we learned is that, yeah, he's still not good. <laughs> I mean, the defense did not help him out in some cases, but he was still not good. And now he's back in Binghamton. So we learn nothing from this. And it's unfortunate. We literally got nothing out of this game, Dan. Well, because every time you think he turns a corner, right? Like his four starts in the AHL leading up to this last call-up were so good and a big part of why Binghamton kept winning games. But the second he gets to the NHL level, he just – it seems like he doesn't have the movement or the reactions anymore. That injury has set him back further than anyone could have ever anticipated. And I think, honestly, his time in the NHL might be done. Right, but we know this. Like yeah. we, we discussed this back when he was demoted the first time. He was only brought back because Blackwood was injured and then Domingue gets injured. So by default, you have to play him. Mm-hmm. So, But Blackwood got healthy for this game before the Columbus game. They cleared him. They showed him waving at practice and everything. So he was in good spirits. So I just don't understand, like, why did Schneider get this start? There was no need for him to get this start. Not that the Devils were going to necessarily win the game with Blackwood, but perhaps instead of losing five nothing, maybe you lose two nothing, and we don't feel so depressed about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because again, we've learned nothing from this game, Dan. This well, game was literally a waste of a waste of a, of a night. We we've learned that Atkinson, whenever he's in a game against the Devils, he will at least get two or three points every right. single time. This guy, yeah, every single it, time. It, you know, I actually did this in the preview. I, I noted that not only has Columbus been scoring by a committee this season, but it's been a committee of points against the Devils since uh, Panarin has left the team. Because mm-hmm. as you mentioned, Atkinson's got a bunch of goals, but so does Oliver Bor- Bjorkstrand, who actually was injured and did not play in this game. He played in the uh, next night against our hated rivals. Um, but Nick Foligno has been a problem. Um, Alex Wenberg has put up points. Jones and Vorwinski has all, have been consistently involved in creating against the Devils. And now this Gavrikov guy, this defenseman who... Um, Again, I'm not super familiar with because he's a Columbus prospect. Uh, he had a goal in the last Devils Blue Jackets game, and he set up Nick Valingno's goal in this, you know, that made it four nothing and sent uh, Schneider to the bench. Mm-hmm. So, you know, there's another Blue Jacket who's going to cause problems. I just don't, you know, I just don't get it, Dan. And what it is it about Ohio? It just evolved in such rapid succession too. It was. Like yeah. a manageable game situation. They're only down one nothing. They're playing well. Everything seems to be going fine. And then one goal goes in after this was a rush that Columbus had after the Devils had so much sustained pressure in the Columbus yep. zone. Some insane saves from Elvis Merzlikens. And then all of a sudden they come back the other way. First shot, that's a goal from Atkinson again, I think. 
Yeah, Atkinson torched his man. I want to say that was Will Butcher he torched, and he just beat Schneider far post. I mean, it was a great shot. It was a great play, but it's like, guys, step up on these guys. You can't just you can't just let them come at you. It really does feel like anytime a team gets a rush going the other way, it's in the back of the net after the Devils will sit there and sustain pressure for so long. But that's really all it is. It's pressure, and they don't get many opportunities off it. They, they'll cycle the puck kind of not really find a shot from the back just or have it blocked because there's no shooting lane or make an yeah. errant pass despite being in the zone for well like a minute and a half at that point and then they just go back down the other way they're burned and immediately a goal is scored all the momentum dies and just the wind just completely left their sails after that moment because they wilted every single time columbus came back after that they scored a goal yeah, because Lilja scored a goal. Very next shift, Nick Foligno scores a goal. Yep. And then, you know, you put Blackwood in that, and Alexander Weinberg makes it 5 nothing on a shot similar to the one Atkinson scored on. So it's like his first goal, rather. Mm-hmm. So it's like, you know, what are you going to do, guys? Uh, this was a bad week, Dan. Yeah. Th- this was just bad by any measure, any standard. They They, they played bad. They looked bad. And we have confirmed that, yes, the Devils are indeed a very bad team. Would you like to know exactly where they stand right now? Oh, yes. So this is important because right now the Devils are off this week. So with that win, or rather the two wins uh, from this past weekend, the Devils were as high as 28th, Dan. 28th in the NHL. Unfortunately, they're losing ways combined with one win by Ottawa. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, has sent the Devils back down to 29th. Unfortunately, or fortunately, depending on how you look at it, Los Angeles has decided to continue their losing ways, especially on the road. So uh, the Devils are tied with Los Angeles in points, but the Devils have played two fewer games. And, you know, by by tiebreaker, they're still in, they're in 29th with a three-game losing streak. Mm. And now they have a week to sit on it. And... Um, we might as well talk about what, what they're going to do after the break, because there's really nothing that's going to happen this week. A lot of players and coaches are taking some time off for themselves, which is fine. Go clear your heads. Relax. It's going to be really, really busy after they come back. Would you like me to take a look at what they got coming up after this week? Uh, yeah, sure. I mean, okay. we, we have the general conversation is going to revolve around just because it's this time in the calendar year, the trade deadline. And of course, yeah, you know, most most of it's going to be which devil's going to get moved and when. But in terms of uh, anything else that you'd like to kind of encompass, at least in this episode where we mostly recapping, it's going to be a little shorter. But we do have another episode this week more specifically about what can happen in the bye week and what can happen for the future of this team as at least until the end of this season. Right. So after Nico Heischer and the all-star game ends, mm-hmm. uh, the devils come right back to action on the 27th, which is next Monday in Ottawa. So that will be an important game for those of you cheering on for lottery balls at this point. I don't know if you want to win that one. <laughs> you might, if you care about results, you probably do. Cause here's your next two games on the 30th. The devils finally return home for their last game of the month, uh, they are hosting Nashville, who is coached by a certain man, a oh, man named John. Not me. I'm not a head coach. Yeah. And I still have some hair on my head. But I'm referring to, of course, the good man, John Hines. Yeah. And 
it's interesting because there's such a tight race out west. I mm-hmm. think the playoff race, there's something like six teams that sit on 58 or 57 points. I think, especially in the Pacific Division, there are three teams with 58 points and two teams with 57, and the Central is just a mess too. So at yep. the time of his hiring, he was brought in to bring Nashville back to that contention picture, which I don't know how anyone can look at these results from the last couple of years and be like, you know who's the guy to really take root of a team that has contending aspirations? It's John Hines. But yeah, it's so far, I mean, I don't know how the results have been. I haven't really been paying attention to the Predators much because... Well, I could tell you that right yeah, now. Yeah, go ahead. So currently Nashville has a record of 22 wins, 18 losses, and seven overtime losses for 51 points. They sit three three positions back of the last wild card spot in the West. Now, in their favor is that they've only played 47 games. So even though they're three points behind Chicago and, Win- and Winnipeg, who are the two teams right in front of them that they'll have to pass to get close to Arizona, Vegas, Calgary, Edmonton, etc., um, they do have games in hand on them. So... If they win those games in hand, Nashville is in a more contention spot. However, of course, if they drop those games in hand, well, they better start winning really fast because I've seen this picture before. And if you don't start getting your results soon, you're going to struggle to get them much, much later. So it's an important time for Nashville. And so they should be motivated on January 30th when they come to Newark because they have something to play for. And speaking of teams that have something to play for, uh, they are hosting on February 1st Mm -hmm. the Dallas Stars. And the Dallas Stars currently have 58 points. They're one of those six teams you mentioned that are bunched together. They are holding on to the third place spot in the Central Division by a thread right now. Um, So, you know, they have every reason to keep on getting results if only to avoid or stay above the – the mosh pit that is the wild card race in the Western Conference. However, it'll be an important night for the Devils as they are honoring the 2000 Stanley Cup winning team, which is appropriate as they defeated Dallas for that Stanley Cup some 20 years ago. So um, there's going to be alumni. There's going to be a nice giveaway for rings. The Devils, I know, have been um, highlighting a ticket package. So you can if you get that ticket package, you can meet and greet with some of those alumni players. It'll be a big night. I guess if there's any one of the three nights you really want the Devils to win, I guess you wanted to make it that one since it is, you know, an important theme night. People are going to be hyped for it. Don't disappoint on 2000 Stanley Cup night. We'll see, though. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because this team is bad, Dan. Well, this is the kind of thing they're where... They're probably not going to win any Yeah, games. people want to forget that this season existed. So it's nice to reminisce about uh, things like the 2000 season and... It's going to be cool because I'm feeling pretty optimistic just because on Jersey retirement nights, they always do well. There's always some sort of ethereal buzz that seems to help them when they're both, you know, honoring the past, but also not wearing the heritage jerseys to do that. So absolutely. hopefully we see a lot of familiar faces back in the building. I know if, you know, you listen to the team's podcast as well, they talked to Jason Arnott. He mentioned a laundry list of players that, you know, my heart just fluttered every time I heard those names because there's such good memories associated with them. So it'll be cool to see them all reunited back on the ice and hopefully the Devils deliver a result that day. But I think this would be a good point for us to just wrap this recap episode unless you have anything else you'd like to add. Well, thankfully the Devils only get to play Columbus and Washington only one more time this season. Mm -hmm. Oh, thank (laughs) God. There's that. Yeah. (laughs) 
Oh, actually, no, I'm wrong. Oh, <laughs> I'm no. actually wrong. They have to play Columbus another time. Oh, God. Oh, no. I'm sorry. I'm very, very sorry. Now I feel sad again. That was my worst nightmare. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm very, I'm glad the Devils have this week off. Yeah. <laughs> I need it as a fan and as a hockey blogger. You need it as a fan and as a hockey podcast guy. Um, and I think everybody involved with the Devils needs some time off just to get your minds right. Just get your minds right. Yeah. So, I mean, we'll keep going with the content, obviously, because that's what we do here. But the reset will be appreciated by all, I'm sure. And we're hoping that uh, they at least finish the season fighting instead of just going out meekly for an attempt at another long shot at a first overall pick. But we'll see what happens. No use talking about that now just because we are in the bye week and everyone's gone golfing. So the next devil you'll see is going to be Nico Heischer playing in the All-Star game. So congratulations to the tw- the recent 21-year-old. I mean, he just turned 21, what, like January 5th or something, 6th? Very early yeah. in the month. So he exciting stuff for him, and I'm glad he's going to get this opportunity to hang out with some of the best players in the league. But Beyond that, yeah, we'll be back with you this weekend for another potpourri episode just to kind of go off the beaten path a little bit while we have some breathing room. And, well, I guess us and the Devils both have some breathing room. So, like I said, thanks again for listening. We'll wrap things up here, and we'll be back with you this weekend.